Howdy, y'all. I'm Justin. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello. Welcome back to Cowboys Like Us, the only podcast bringing you the groovy sounds of the 60s all weekend long. I'm turning us into a Classic rock format. Gotcha. <laughs> Radio show. Radio show. That's right. Yeah. 100.9 CBLU. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about Exile, the Bon Iver collab from Folklore. And joining us to do that, we have a new guest on the pod. Yeah. Yes. Her name is Mary. And as we have been discussing off mic, we've known each other for 10 years now, so excited to have her here. Yeah, you and Mary have known each other for 10 years. Yep, me and Mary. <laughs> Mary, Mary, who are you? Who are you doing? Cool. Hi. Uh, so I had a dream already that we did this like a month ago. So I lived this whole podcast. So in my dream, though, I introduced myself with Howdy Cowpokes and Cow Folks. So uh, you don't have to keep that. But uh, yeah, I'm Mary. Justin and I met 10 years ago in library school. It was the very first day. And I remember I remember you from the first day. I sat down at the same table, I think. But my first comment that I remember you saying to me was I gave a presentation in the first couple of weeks of, of classes. And I said the word almanac funny to you because the the only piece of criticism that you gave me when I came back to sit at my seat was you said almanac like a real Yankee and I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was hilarious that was I was just like okay well we're buds now I guess so I appreciated that but yeah we've known each other for 10 years we saw each other recently in our country's capital and I'm a person who likes music I have a couple cats and I just generally vibe you know all right. That story is fun. I have literally no memory of that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, it was, I could tell from your whole vibe that it was just a throwaway line to you, that it was just something that you thought and you were just putting it out there in the world. And I really appreciate that quality in people. So I just, I laughed it off. I thought it was very funny. He was like, I'm just going to say this and maybe I'll make a friend out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, so I remember just sitting there and thinking, how do I say almanac? You know, I, so I asked everybody else, like, can you say the word almanac for me? But yeah, so you couldn't even tell me what I said. You were just, it, that sounded like a real Yankee saying almanac. So yeah, it was funny. He has no room to talk. When I first (laughs) he sounded like a character straight out of a movie. Like this voice that Justin used to use when we first started dating. I had decided I was going to affect like a, Gone with the wind, like Savannah. Old Southern gentleman type. Yeah. And I was like, where the hell are you even from? Like, what is this? Yeah. So I talked like that for the first month or two that we were together. Man, but you still got the girl. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. Y'all make questionable decisions. (laughs) Mary, 
Describe your journey as a Swifty for us. How did you come to be a Taylor Swift fan? Okay, so the first memory I have of really vibing out to a Taylor Swift song, it was in my car. Somehow I had gotten a hold of, it's the album with Sparks Fly on it, Speak Now. Mm -hmm. I somehow, a copy of the CD of Speak Now ended up in my car and I just put it in because everything else was old and (laughs) Sparks Fly came on and I thought, I get it now. I get Taylor Swift. Like I get, I get the, the hype. So after that though, it was pretty years went by and then 1989 came out and I bought that with my own money. And I listened to that. My job right out of library school had no Wi-Fi, So I downloaded that on my phone and I listened to it over and over and over again. And then I thought, okay, I think I'm a fan now. So after that, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call myself a true Swifty, but I am definitely a Taylor Swift fan, if that makes sense. So I've listened to the entirety of each of her albums. And that's saying a lot for me. My whole philosophy as a music listener is that you can still be a fan of someone, even if you listen to just one of their songs. So I am pretty infamous in my life for only listening to maybe three songs from a band or an artist and saying, oh yeah, I love them. And many people have given me the business about it. Uh, I won't apologize for it. And I also won't change my habits. But for me to say, I listen to all of Taylor's albums, even when she comes out with the new ones and she has, you know, the songs from the vault or whatever, I do listen to those. So yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. I really enjoy her whole evolution and how we're the same age. So it feels like we're kind of evolving together as millennials. Indeed. We've talked about that. Yep. She's growing yep. up with us. Yep. <laughs> what, uh, what non-Taylor music do you enjoy? Mm. Okay. We used to make, in our friend group, we used to make playlists for each other. And every time we did it, so podcast friend Christy is part of that group. And whenever Justin and Christy would share their podca- their um, playlists, I would think, ooh, I'm a perfect middle ground of these two people. So I listen to a lot of, you know, sad girl music like Christy and show tunes, but I also listen to a lot of trashy pop. So I think Carly Rae Jepsen has been in my top artists many years on Spotify Wrapped. Um, Yeah, uh, the Decemberists, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, Boy Genius, of course, because I have a heart. But then, you know, Allie and AJ have made a huge comeback for me. Um, Yeah, if you're not listening to their recent stuff, get on it. It's it's so good. Joan of Arc on the dance floor. Yeah. I didn't know they were still making music. Yeah. They oh. came back a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you gotta you gotta do it. And then they re-released potential breakup song. And it's so good. It's it's like the original, but you know, a re-release is always exciting. But yeah, and then I listen to a bunch of, you know, alt alternative music. Maximo Park is a big one for me. I just found I just discovered cop cut copy last year and i've been going through all of their discography so but yeah i listened to a little bit of everything very cool i did i have not heard of those last two you named at all so that's mm-hmm. yep 
Yeah. And then also to tie in with the song that we're going to be doing today, I also was a big Boney Bear fan, um, especially in college. I had uh, Florema on my on my iPod and I would walk around campus just listening to that and being very moody. So I'm very excited to talk about this song today. Very cool. Does it eat anybody else's panties when people call them Bon Iver? <laughs> Justin Vernon. Justin Vernon. Right. I'm, I Googled this the other day yeah. just to see. And uh, he says that he really doesn't care if you want to call it Iver or Iver. Yeah. He doesn't care. So either way is fine to him. Well, that's very nice of him, but it, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> well, as a person who loves intentionally mispronouncing things, I don't <laughs> mind too much. So. Yeah. But I, I get it. If somebody's trying to be very pretentious, you know, if they're putting on airs, then it does grind my gears. I'll, what did you say, Kimberly? Eat, <laughs> eat, eating your panties? Yeah, yeah it really eats my panties. panties. I think we, I think we did. On the podcast, I think we mentioned it. And okay. Like, I it And you cut it and then no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so if you're being pretentious and you mispronounce it, then I'll probably make a dig but well not a dig i'll probably call out but anyone else who's just generally talking about the band i don't really care i again i'm pretty loosey-goosey with my fandom so yeah anytime i have an option to pronounce something in a terrible french accent i'm gonna take it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm more like i'm less talking about the people who are doing it as a joke and more the people who genuinely don't know or haven't taken the time to try and figure it out, you know? But yes, but to clarify <laughs> the, the turn of phrase, <laughs> clarify that. Kimberly uses that because once upon a time, she couldn't think of grinds my gears. <laughs> my panties. Dustin yeah. and I were in the car, like leaving a movie. And I was like, you know what really eats my panties? And he was like, that is not a phrase. <laughs> But I knew exactly what you meant, Kimberly. So keep it in rotation. Keep it in rotation. We were like two or three dates in, I think. It was pretty early. Oh, it was, we were like two or three months in. It was (laughs) early, but we had been together for a minute. Well, maybe, but it was funny. Also, another one is, you know, like if someone were to trip and fall, most of the time people would say they ate shit. Mm. Mm. I say they ate ass a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another one that just seems like that is not correct. That is incorrect. Yeah. It needs something different to something. <laughs> <laughs> Poll results. We had those. <laughs> yes. People voted, and the last time got a six out of ten. Seems a bit high. Seems a bit high. Mary, did you vote for it? Yeah, that song was one I wouldn't skip it all the time, but it was a skip for me. And that's usually five territory. So I think I gave it a five. I did give it a five. Yeah. So that sounds right to me. I know Madeline in particular had some qualms with how you (laughs) how you voted for question on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What what in particular? Madeline felt as though you rated it too low. (laughs) Well. Yeah, question is one of those, uh, when you talked about it on the pod, I thought, I don't know if I remember this song. And I listened to it and I thought, 
yeah, this is sort of a forget forgettable song to me. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no issues with it. Uh, it's just, you know, it didn't, I think that would also be a skip. So a five for me is sort of like, I'll listen to it, but if I'm really not feeling it, I'll skip it. And then below that is just sort of, I don't pay attention to it. So yeah, I probably did rate it low, but I, again, it has nothing to do with Taylor's artistry. You know, you just go with what your heart says, right? That's right. Your rankings are subjective. Yeah. (laughs) It's art. It makes you feel something. And uh, for me, it made me feel not much. So (laughs) really didn't affect you. Yeah. Feelings. Let's get into some news and see how we feel about it. (laughs) (laughs) News from around the Taylorverse. First up, we have a Tavis update. Taylor attended the Chiefs vs. Dolphins playoff game in Kansas City. It was one of the coldest games in NFL history. Sub-zero temperatures throughout. The Chiefs won, and they now head to Buffalo to face the Bills. Bills Mafia! Yes, indeed. <laughs> Should be a good game. Should be a good game. Hopefully Travis catches the ball this time. He has four bad drops in the, yeah. in the Dolphins game. My heart's a little torn. I don't know if I should pull for because like most of this season, I've been pulling for the Chiefs as long as they're not playing anybody I care about, and now they're playing the Bills. So now I'm sad. I don't know who to pull for. Yes, that's a thing that the listeners may not know. It really <laughs> is a Bills fan, mostly for the memes. Mostly for the meme. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Bills fandom yes. and Josh Allen. <laughs> For anyone unfamiliar with the Bills fandom, they are famous for getting hammered drunk at the tailgate, lighting tables on fire like folding tables, and then diving through them from the top of their RVs and shit. Or throwing other fans through the tables. Off like the top of their trucks into the tables. Yeah. Yep. It's great fun. I'm just trying to throw people into folding tables or be thrown into folding tables. It just sounds like a good time. Mary, you're from a place that has NFL teams sort of in the area what oh yeah oh yeah absolutely so eagles for sure i was just thinking that sounds maybe as intense if not more intense than eagles fans because whenever there is a game that's high emotion whether it's gonna go well or go poorly they just immediately start greasing all of the lamp lamp posts so that people don't go up them but no, so no matter if they win or they lose and it's a big game, people are climbing poles. So I remember when I worked in Philly, just watching people starting to grease the poles. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, we, we got this going on. But wow. Yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, people make a whole day of it at the Eagles Stadium. But we've also got, you know, Ravens people and uh, Steelers fans. Some people will admit to being Buffalo Bills fans around here, but it's mostly those three, the um, Ravens, the Eagles, and the Steelers. But yeah, yeah, those Eagles fans, they go hard. They go hard. Uh, Travis's brother, Jason, right? On the Eagles. Absolutely. Not anymore, though, because he retired. Well, allegedly. Diddy, though. (laughs) Yeah, Diddy. Over the air. Um, it kind of came out like it was a surefire thing. And then he got on their podcast and was like, I actually haven't made a decision yet. Not trying to be dramatic. (laughs) And I'm like, Jason, you're old. (laughs) My guy, just retire. Well, we'll see what he does. Taylor was 
as usual, in a box with her Kansas City crew. Donna Kelsey was there, Brittany Mahomes, the whole WAG squad, wives and girlfriends were all up in there. Taylor was shown briefly on TV a handful of times, really not even worth comment, I don't think. They showed crowd shots. We tallied them, and I think we only got a three, right? Yeah, but we went to bed before the fourth quarter. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) We got a couple more in. But yeah, barely worth talking about. So the Fen boys, Brad's dads and Chad's. I can sit down. Can calm down. Taylor made friends with the people right outside the box window. And she gave her scarf to one of them, a woman named Beth Vansel. And Beth said, quote, during the game, Taylor coined me as her good luck charm. Noticed my face was bright red and gave me her scarf. She also added that Taylor was so down to earth and like a normal Chiefs fan. I think she also said in her Instagram post that she verified with Taylor that she did not want the scarf back. (laughs) So she got to keep it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And hopefully Taylor won't write a song about it. Right, right. Hopefully this is not (laughs) Tim Inversion Part (laughs) 2. Speaking of Philadelphia, where Mary's spent a lot of time, a jeweler from up that way, Steven Singer, has offered Taylor a custom, well, Offered Travis, really, a custom-made engagement ring of up to $1 million in value, free of charge. And he said, I recognize that the most renowned couple globally has an abundance of options when it comes to choosing engagement rings. Should they decide to tie the knot? If they do, I would be honored to help design a truly extraordinary ring exclusively for them. My daughter is an avid fan of Taylor Swift. We admire not only her, but also the values she champions. Of all the people in the world who don't need a million, a free million dollar ring, it's these two. It's true. But he did say that, <laughs> you know, if they choose to to uh, pay for it, mm-hmm. he would donate the money to charity instead of his own pocket. Well, that's what <clears> I, would, <throat> I would hope that if they took him up on his offer, they would take the money and donate it to some cause. Whatever they decide that may be. Indeed. I also think everybody needs to calm down with the engagement rumors. Mm. Like, they've barely—they haven't even been together a year, my guy. Like, well, according to page six, an anonymous source close to the couple has said that they might need that ring in the summer. "Quote: Taylor and Travis discussed it, and there is a plan. They will get engaged on their one-year anniversary in July. They don't want it to seem like it's rushed insanity." End quote. I believe it when I see it. Mary, are you a fan of, of their relationship? Yeah, so generally with celebrities, I try to keep my distance just so I don't have that weird parasocial sort of relationship with them where I get too invested. But it seems like this is a nice little match for her, you know? he. I've also been watching his podcast, you know, or like paying attention to his podcast just to see what kind of what kind of guy is he. And he seems like he's okay. Right? Like, so, yeah, this seems... Golden Retriever. Yeah, he just seems very sweet. Um, He seems like he has some sort of, you know, emotional IQ there. You know, he's not just some dude. He seems to actually care about things. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see it. And I would understand why she would be excited about it and entertain it. He seems like, he seems like a cool guy. So, yeah, I'm on board. Plus, you know... It height is not everything. We love short kings. We stand short kings. 
But it seems like that's probably a fun little tidbit for her as well, that he's like a skyscraper, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He makes her look small. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can be baby. Yeah, definitely. I used to think her tallest romance before was probably like Calvin Harris or Tom Hiddleston or somebody. And Tom Hiddleston isn't that much taller than her. Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't say. Unsure. Well, somebody who's not a fan is former NFL coach and current homophobe slash misogynist, Tony Dungy. Mm. When asked about Taylor and her effect on the NFL, he said, quote, that's the thing that's disenchanting people with sports now. There's so much on the outside coming in, entertainment value and different things, taking away from what really happens on the field, end quote. So another pearl clutcher has clutched his pearls about Taylor taking away from the magic of football. And the outside coming in entertainment value with different things. She, he considers her entertainment value, but like, He's probably perfectly fine with the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm. I think I saw a tweet today that was like some guy was saying, I love that Taylor Swift is showing up to games now because my teenage daughter is talking to me about these things. So we have something to talk about and bond over because she is more interested in the game now. So we have this fun little thing that we do. And without Taylor Swift showing up, this probably wouldn't have ever happened. And so he's really happy to just, you know, hang out with his daughter who he likes. So this seems like a nothing burger, you know? Yeah, it it just reeks of sort of that attitude that a lot of old school red ass football dudes have where it's like, women in my football? <laughs> mm-hmm. His father who passed back in 2013 and who I loved to death. He was like a second father to me. I admired him tremendously. But one thing I didn't like that he always did was complain about like sideline reporters who were women, you know, and got out there, you know, what do they know about it? I bet Bubby loved to watch the cheerleaders though. He never commented on them either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I just like all the men who want to whine about her you know, being featured or whatever. And I do feel like the NFL in general is kind of getting away from it. And so maybe it will die down a little bit. But like, you know, I'm sure they love the Cowboys cheerleaders and all that jazz, you know, because they're out there shaking ass. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with shaking ass, you know? Nothing's wrong with it, but like, don't get mad at her for just being there. But then get really excited when girls are out there shaking their ass, you know, like... Be mad the girls are there. Don't be mad the girls are there. Fair enough. Stephen A. Smith has come to Taylor's defense for the second time in two weeks. He said, quote, it's getting ridiculous how she's being criticized by some, insulted by others, blamed by many. Grow up. And in the case of Tony Dungy, it's like, come on, man. Can we stop this, sir? Please. Respectfully, please. I think sometimes we look at somebody like Taylor Swift we look at her popularity and we say, hey, that's not about football. That's not about the X's and O's. Who cares? Who indeed, Stephen? Who indeed? There are football commentators in this world who spend the entire time talking about anything but football. It's true. It makes me want to rip my hair out. And nobody seems to mad at them. But God forbid they show Taylor Swift and then they're like, this isn't football. Yeah. Most 
I would argue most in-game commentary is not about X's and O's. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, oh, how does he compare to the great ones? And, you know, what's what about the heart and the soul of the team and all this generic Disney movie bullshit? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not get into the hardcore mm-hmm. formations and <laughs> subs and all that shit. It could be. Yeah, yeah. I don't. One of the talking heads of one of the Chiefs games at the very beginning spent a solid minute and a half describing Arrowhead Stadium and the city of Kansas City mm. before it like the, the film cut to inside the stadium and they started talking about football. And I was like, why? Why are we doing this? Why am I having to listen to this? Yeah. I have gone on record on this pod before and said that I often when I'm watching sports alone, we'll mute the TV and listen to music instead because yeah. it's not worth listening to. There's not worth listening to. Yep. They're just filling time out here. All that to say, leave Taylor alone. <laughs> <laughs> just let her be, man. That's right. Speaking of things, I don't have a good segue for this. So I'm just going to <laughs> Taylor Swift did not write the book or movie Argyle, according to the film's director, Matthew Vaughn. I like how he thinks I'm just going to take his word for it. (laughs) He says that he learned about the conspiracy theory from his daughter, who was a firm believer until he debunked it to her. He claims there is an author who uses the pseudonym Ellie Conway, and she wrote the book. So he's still on some bullshit, but it's not Taylor, he says. Well, the other theory that I have heard recently was that it was actually Ryan Reynolds. Really? Ellie Conway was Ryan Reynolds. And that Taylor was in on it, and he was like, I'm going to make this look like it was you, but it's going to be me. And she was like, hell yeah, go for it. But now Matthew Vaughn saying that there is an author who uses the pseudonym Ellie Conway, and she wrote the book. Makes me think that might not be the case. I mean, it could be, but... I think it was a paid thing. Like, we're going to make this movie about this, and you know, we want a book tie-in to go with it. Yeah. Novelization or whatever. They paid some author, and they used it as student. There are also theories floating around that the very unfortunate person who authored the Harry Potter books is behind Ellie Conway. But I really hope that's not the case. J.K. Turfling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just didn't really want to give her name any credit. (laughs) Yep. Matthew says that the only Taylor Swift connection to the movie is the Scotch Fold cat, which his daughter got because she loves Taylor Swift and her cats, particularly Olivia Benson, right? She's the Scotch Fold cat. Mm. Yeah. Their family cat is the cat who appears in the film. Juan called him the Nepo cat. He is a Nepo cat. We talked about that when I talked about the theory that it was Taylor, that it's his actual cat. Both Olivia and Meredith are Scottish Folds. Mm. Benji is the only one who is not a Scottish Fold, and he's a ragdoll. But also, sir, listen to the podcast, because that is not the only Taylor Swift connection. <laughs> we went over all of the Taylor Swift connections. <laughs> I heard Radio Music Awards. The nominations were released this week, and Taylor led all artists with nine nominations. Jelly Roll, SZA, and 21 Savage are tied for second with eight apiece. Taylor's noms are... Song of the Year for Cruel Summer, Pop Song of the Year for Cruel Summer, Pop Artist of the Year, Artist of the Year, Best Lyrics for Is It Over Now, TikTok, Bop of the Year for Cruel Summer, 
favorite on screen for Eris Tour of the movie, favorite tour style, and best fan army for the Swifties. If Is It Over Now does not win best lyrics, it this whole thing's a sham because that song has the greatest lyrics. Maybe it, it is all of all that. <laughs> yeah. Is It Over Now? Well, it will be if you don't take it as the winner because it really will be <laughs> the whole world to the ground. That's right. Mary, do you have any, any news things you saw that you might want to chat about? That we no. Okay. Can't really? I will take a second <laughs> since, and I'll go ahead and say that we're not taking a trip to the clown corner mm-hmm. this week. Since we have Mary on, we have a, um, we have plenty, plenty to talk about with a third person hanging out with us. But I will go ahead and acknowledge that absolutely nothing happened on <laughs> January 12th. So, yeah. <laughs> Just going to kind of get ahead of the fact that I understand our theories were wrong. Was that the 112th day? Is that theory still in play? It was part of that theory. It was part of it. It was part of that theory, and it was a big part of that theory because it was 112. twelve. Mm. So, okay. it's really, you know, like, egg on my face. Okay. And my, by my face, I mean literally everyone who believes in the 112-day theory. But, yeah, we'll see what happens had to sit here while numbers happened to me. I was going to say, don't even pretend like you listened to me, because you cannot tell me the 112. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just sort of starts playing elevated music in my head when people start talking about numbers yeah. in front of me. Long story short, I had two predictions that one way or another we were going to get some sort of news on January 12th that a lot of other people also believed regarding reputation taylor's version and we have not gotten those things so that is a disappointment but it's fun to speculate indeed life is full of little disappointments (laughs) (laughs) on to chart watch on the billboard artist 100 taylor is still number one on the billboard hot 100 singles chart cruel summer stay put at number two is it over now stay put at 13 you're losing me dropped 23 spots to number 84. And now that we don't talk, stayed at 87 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. 1989 TV dropped two spots to number three. Midnight's is down two to number seven. Lover's down one to number eight. Folklore stayed at 10. Reputation stays at 19. Speak Now TV down four to number 21. Evermore down six to number 22. Red TV down two to number 24. Fearless TV down five to number 44. And Houston, we may have a problem. 1989 stolen version rose two spots to number 57. Guys, we talked about this. Why? Yeah. Why is it? <laughs> we got it real, real low at one point, And now it's all the way back up to number 57. Yep. It's got to go off the chart, you guys. It's got to. All the other ones did almost immediately. Yeah. What is it about this one? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot to ask this at the top, and we we probably could have incorporated it. But Mary, do you have a particular Taylor Swift era that you feel as though you relate to the most or fit into? Oh, like my vibe. Mm. Yeah. I keep You're saying vibe on this. I literally do not use vibe this much. My personality. I'm probably rubbing off on you. I use vibe as like a 
Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. It can be our little thing. So I would say probably 1989, but also when she released both Folklore and Evermore, I thought, ooh, this is really scratching an itch for me. So it's probably, again, like a mid-ground between, you know, those three. If I can be a triangle, I'm a triangle of those three. Gotcha. So either Cottagecore or like City Girl. Yeah, yeah, you know, I contain multitudes. There it is. Yeah. You've got a cottage in Central Park. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right next to Pod Gremlin, you know, living underneath one of the bridges. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) We hang out all the time. Children. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. Let's move on to the song of the week. Song that's right. Exile was originally released on Folklore back in 2020. The pandemic was happening. Lest we forget what time it was. It was written by Taylor Swift and William Bowery and Justin Vernon. William Bowery was a pseudonym for Joe Alwyn, Taylor's boyfriend at the time. Not anymore. I honestly forgot that he wrote on this song. <laughs> yep. And Justin Vernon is Bonnie Vare's government name. So <laughs> it was produced by Aaron Desner and Joe Alwyn. He apparently wrote the uh, the main melody on the piano. Oh, okay. I so, was going to say, what? <laughs> yeah. Chart info, it peaked at number six on the Hot 100, and it's certified double platinum in Canada, platinum in the United Kingdom and the U.S., and gold in Denmark, Italy, Norway, and Poland. All right. What has Taylor said about this song? Well, it's a lot. Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) Exile is a song that was written about miscommunications in relationships. And in the case of this song, I imagined that the miscommunications ended the relationship. It led to the demise of this love affair, and now these two people are seeing each other out for the first time, and they keep miscommunicating with each other. They can't quite get on the same page. They were never able to. And even in their end, even after they've broken up, they're still not hearing each other. So we imagine the beginning would be his side of the story, the second verse, her side of the story, and the end would be the story of them talking over each other and not hearing each other. We're really stoked about how it turned out because it really does seem to be about the tragedy of two people, of two ships passing in the night. Long-winded. He also said there's been a lot of discussion about William Bowery and his identity because it's not a real person. William Bowery is Joe, as we know, and he plays piano beautifully. He's always just playing, making things up, and kind of creating things. Exile was crazy because Joe had written that entire piano part and he was singing the Bon Iver part the way that the whole first verse is so I was entranced and asked if we could keep writing that one it was pretty obvious that it should be a duet because he's got such a low voice and it sounded really good in that register really big Bon Iver fans and we know that Aaron knows him but I was too afraid to suggest it when I sent it to Aaron I was like this is hopefully a duet I don't know who with who could it be with who do you think would be good with this? And Aaron was like, I think Justin would love this. I couldn't say it because if I had said it and he would have gone, 
to Justin, and Justin would have said no, it would have hurt too much. <laughs> She's just like me for real. I was gonna say she was scared. Yep, insecure. And then Aaron Desner said, when Taylor sent it to me as a voice memo, she sang both the male and female parts as much as she could fit in without losing her breath. We talked about who she was imagining joining her, and she loves Justin's voice in Bonnie Bear and Big Red Machine. She was like, oh my God, I would die if he would do it. It would be so perfect. I didn't want to put pressure on Justin as his friend. So I said, well, it depends on if he's inspired by the song, but I know he thinks you're rad, which he does. So I sent him the song and he was really into it. He tweaked some parts and added parts as well. The bridge where he says, step right out, um, the end too, and his choral parts. It was fun because Justin and I work on a lot of stuff together. So it was very easy and natural. At some point, I felt like a super fan hearing two of my favorite singers. This was all being done remotely, but it was one of those moments where your head hits the back of the wall and you're like, fuck, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like creatives have a lot of thoughts that they need to tell you, you know? Yeah. What about the critics? Do the critics enjoy it? E, entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) called the song a devastating dream that hits like a punch to the gut clash called it a beautiful wintry tortured monster of a song it showcases the sonic beauty of folklore consequence of sound said the lyrics are clever but restrained and the emotions are not only high-pitched but possess complex shifting depths the new york times called it a lovely anguished duet Pop Matters called it an obvious standout. LA Times called it a stormy, hard-hitting duet. The Sydney Morning Herald said, (laughs) (laughs) textured track that blends two unlikely voices together in glorious harmony. Ben called it folklore's greatest highlight, a sweeping cinematic panorama. The Independent called it the millennial equivalent of Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. This is the wildest one, bro. <laughs> wow, what a comparison. Yeah, that's wild. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they really went for it on that one. Yeah. NPR said it creates a windswept sonic landscape beyond the artful Retribution of some of her more popular radio hits instead overlapping sadness and sagacity. I expect nothing less from NPR. (laughs) It was also on several best of 2020 year-end lists. It was number two on Elle's list, number four on Slant, number 11 on some other place that I wrote as a Acronym, and I have no idea what that acronym You really is. have the confidence to remember what that was. N-B-H-A-P. In-B-H-A-P. In-B-H-A-P. Number 11 for them. And on, it was also on a couple of non-ranked lists, so they weren't ordered. Vogue and Men's Health was on their best of lists. Men's Health, okay. Yep. Mm. Right. What about the fans? Do the fans like this song? Rob Sheffield. Big boy, bro. I'm Hundred and twelve. Oh my god. That's not what I was saying. Hundred and twelve. We all got it. Out of two hundred and forty-three, 
He said, at first it sounded like their vocals just don't fit together, yet that's what the song is about. It really soars in the final minutes as the piano and strings build. Indeed. And r slash Taylor Swift ranked it the fifth best track out of 17 on Folklore Deluxe in their Survivor game. Some people would agree. <laughs> Some would. Some would. Let's dive into the lyrics, if we may. We may not, actually. Stop it right here. All right. <laughs> First verse, as we learned, Justin Vernon's verse. I can see you standing, honey. With his arms around your body, laughing, but the joke's not funny at all. And it took you five whole minutes to pack us up and leave me with it, holding all this love out here in the hall. So it's one of the great sort of injustices of our time. The dumper always moves on way quicker than the dumpy because they've already had plenty of time to think about it and get comfortable with the idea, whereas the dumpy is caught off guard. They have to start from square one. Out the door. Yeah. I also really like that this is another difference between the two people in this song, that he's clearly not over it. And throughout the song, it's sort of him processing it. And then Taylor is over it from jump. And then it's just it just keeps reaffirming her decision to leave. There it is. Seeing your ex with their new partner is rough. Cold follow boy, what you do on your own time's just fine. My imagination's much worse. I just never want to know. But sometimes you have to know. Particularly with social media being a thing. It's hard to get away. On to the chorus. I think I've seen this film before. I didn't like the ending. You're not my homeland anymore. So what am I defending now? You're my town. Now I'm in exile seeing you out. I think I've seen this film before. So this is not the first time that Justin... His head is heartbroken, and every time it's been sucky. You know, am I talking about Justin Vernon or myself? No, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was once in a relationship with a woman that everyone but us immediately realized was wrong for me. I was wrong for her. We were wrong for one another. And everyone told me so. But I always defended her and said, y'all don't get it, man. You just look it in from the outside. You don't even get it. To the point where I lost friends over this. And then she hit the dip on me. Mm. And now, what am I supposed to do after that? You know, it was a rough time. It was a rough time. Mary, you have been in tough, complicated, messy relationships before. Mm. I don't know. I was going to say, don't make Mary talk about <laughs> personal relationships. She doesn't want to. She doesn't have to is familiar with the emotions. Yeah, um, that's one of the reasons why I like this song so much is because it's messy. And specifically the miscommunications, we haven't gotten to Taylor's part yet. I'll have more to say after Taylor's part. But yeah, I'll save what I my comments for after we get into Taylor's part. Fair enough. Alrighty. Let's do that then. Verse two, Taylor's verse. I can see you staring, honey. Like it's just your understudy. Like you'll get your knuckles bloody from me. Second, third, and hundredth chances, balancing on breaking branches, those eyes add insult to injury. Interesting to me that Taylor is with someone new, but still clearly feels, you know, the complicated sort of pain of her past relationship. Perhaps she's moving on quicker than she should. Maybe she's not fully over it, although Mary seems to disagree, and that'll be fun to talk about. I also think it's interesting that a lot of men instinctively 
go toward violence when they have feelings. I have feelings, so I'm going to punch this dude in the face. Whomst among us. Even if the if it worked out as he wanted and he beat this dude's ass, would that help? Would that resolve the feelings? Spoiler alert, it would not. Plus, Justin doesn't think he had 100 chances, as we will see. They have very different, different perspectives on what went wrong with their relationship. My interpretation of this is that you can still be working through it, but still getting over it, right? So especially if it hasn't been very long, you know, you can be committed to the idea of the relationship being over, but you could still have residual feelings. So there might, she might still have, it's, it's very clear that she still has lingering negative feelings from the relationship that she isn't over yet. I wouldn't necessarily say that she isn't over the relationship though. Like my feeling. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to say. She has these lingering issues that she's not over yet. She's holding on to, but she is over the whole dynamic with him. Right. Like she's moved on, but she still kind of likes the fact that he's jealous. Mm -hmm. Also the line, those eyes add insult to injury. What does that line mean to you? To me, it means, you know, they were injured by the breakup, emotionally scarred, both of them were, and just the the hate, the pain, the rage, whatever he's looking at her with, you know, she feels insulted by him. So it's like, mm. how dare you, bro? After all the shit you put me through, how dare you look at me like that? Mm. Does then also feel like she's the one who left first, based on the lyrics that, like, well, yeah, she left. Was insulted, but she left first. But her whole thing in the song is that. You know, you were a piece of shit the whole time. Right. He made it so that, yeah. Yeah. Until she I finally had enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you take it as, Mary? Oh, it sometimes my brain just uh, picks out lines in songs and it really stews on them. So I think my brain has finally come to the conclusion that within the context of my analysis, right? It's the, what's the insult? So her whole deal is that he just didn't try. Or he couldn't get it together. And so it's the insult of him caring now that it's over right. uh, to the injury of the whole neglect of the relationship, right. right? So you couldn't get it together for our relationship, but you're going to give me this energy now. Wherefore, right? Where was this energy when we were together? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Kimberly, you've never experienced heartbreak in your life. You've always been a happy person. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, for sure. Your first serious relationship went the whole way. Is that true, Kimberly? Okay. <laughs> that was what I was led to believe. Yeah, my, my first long term. I wouldn't say serious, but long term. Okay. No, there's serious relationships, just not long term. How serious can you be in three weeks? That's all I'm saying. Oh my god, I have relationships that lasted longer than three weeks. We may have. Oh, are you talking about how like three weeks in you invited me to move in with you? <gasps> Here's, the <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I did invite you to move in pretty early. <gasps> I love you pretty early. Yeah. I was right though. <laughs> I was right, though. But did we know that then? I did. 
Oh, that's oh. For the record, I would hundred percent thought he was crazy on all accounts. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, absolutely, Kimberly. That's a natural feeling to have. And yet, I will say he also asked me. My response to him asking me if I wanted to be his girlfriend was, "Do you want me to be your girlfriend?" <laughs> he said. I wouldn't be asking you if I didn't want you to be my girlfriend. Oh, just taking a poll, you know, gauging interest. <laughs> generally. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I've never experienced heartbreak in my entire life. You're the only man I've ever been with. And what else? <laughs> I think that was it. What other lies were we telling? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, coast to coast. Got it in one. Let's see it. <laughs> well, you are the only significant other that I've ever lived with. That's for sure. Mm. It did take longer than about three weeks for us to move in together, though. Yeah, it did. <laughs> there were leases involved. <laughs> there were leases involved. Yep. I uh, really needed to graduate college and not be completely distracted. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm in Taylor's chorus. I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. I'm not your problem anymore. So who am I offending now? You are my crown. Now I'm in exile seeing you out. I think I've seen this film before. So I'm leaving out the side door. So Taylor's whole thing is, hey, bro, we broke up. You don't have any right to be mad. If you see me out here, get in mine. You know, much like Beyonce in her song Single Ladies. If you liked it, then you should put a ring on it. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad because you see that he won it. You know? Yep. You were my crown is an interesting line. What do crowns represent? Right? Royalty, wealth, power, prestige. Her relationship gave her that. Felt like that. So why would she cast it aside the world wonders, Kimberly? My interpretation of that. So I, some of the themes one of the themes of this song that I sort of noted was this idea of maybe like objectification of the other so the problem here is that it's two humans you know trying to interact in this relationship but she's calling him her crown that's a problematic sort of pedestal situation here so it's bound to fail if something doesn't go right right like he's he's not a crown he's a person and he's gonna mess up like we all do so I just think that's like a little interesting tidbit for her. You know, maybe her expectations weren't being met because maybe they were high, you maybe. know? So I I love this song because it's so messy and you can just pick it apart. So I who's who's to say, right? This seeing them out, like if I were a fly on the wall at this party or wherever they are and I saw them out, I would be like, "Ooh. Like the tea is good." You know? Like <laughs> So, yeah, so I at no point do I think I'm 100% right. What I love about this song is that you can really pick it apart and just be like, ooh, these two dummies, like, at it again. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a thing when you're a young person and you're getting into relationships. Kimberly's laughing at me. I haven't even said anything funny. (laughs) (laughs) When you're a young person, (laughs) got me. When you're young and in love, mm-hmm. right? Sure. You do put people on pedestals because you kind of, mm-hmm. at least I remember thinking that's kind of what the the whole thing was, right? You know, find that person who is perfect, right? So if I'm with you, 
then you must be perfect. Otherwise, what the hell am I doing here, right? So you put people on pedestals and then they inevitably don't stay up there because they're a person, you know, who is flawed, as we all are. And it can lead to a lot of hurt feelings. A lot of hurt feelings. Because when I showed up in your life and I was perfect, so then you were like, oh, I was right all along. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. Yep. I also really like this uh, this chorus, uh, the leaving out the side door. I think that's also, I think that, is that the first time she says that? Yeah. So she's introducing this idea that maybe she's not a direct communicator. Maybe part of her issue is that she was doing a lot of indirect, because leaving out the side door, if you're leaving out the side door, you're a quick exit. You're just like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. You know, leaving out, it's even, you're... You're not even making the ex- the the effort to go through the back door, right? You're just taking any out you can. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I love this whole chorus for her. Yes. Taylor leaves relationships the way that I leave parties, by the Irish exit. Mm-hmm. You don't say mm-hmm. goodbye. You don't tell anybody you're leaving. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. You just dip. You're just gone. And then a few hours later, they're like, where did Justin go? No mm-hmm. one knows. Just go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So this quick exit could give some validity to Justin's whole gripe that I'm still here holding all this love for you out here in the hall and you're already like out of the fucking building, right? The love building. <laughs> the building of our love. All right. Let's go to the bridge. So step right out. There's no amount of crying I can do for you. All this time, we always walked a very thin line, didn't even hear me out, never gave a warning sign. All this time, I never learned to read your mind, couldn't turn things around, because you never gave a warning sign. So many signs, so many signs, didn't even see the signs. I missed my cues. <laughs> yeah, you really missed her cues. I missed but my cues. <laughs> Taylor is uh, counterpointing, as Justin does the verse. <laughs> and she claims to have given so many signs. That's the real yes. The others are just kind of echoing. But that's the crux of the song, right? They had a contentious relationship. It was always on the verge of falling apart. But Justin didn't see that somehow. Didn't feel it. Doesn't feel like Taylor told him that things were headed toward disaster. And Taylor feels like she tried over and over. And he just wouldn't hear it. I don't really think either of them is lying. I think they are both accurately recounting events as they perceive them, and it's that lack of mutual understanding that ultimately led to them falling apart. Yeah, like Taylor said in her description of this song, this song could be titled Miscommunication the Musical. Right. <laughs> or Poor Communication the Musical, because they're just not talking to each other. Or if they are, the other one's not listening. Yeah, I'm a person who likes to get on Reddit and read lots of different things. And one of the things I like to read about is like people's relationship drama. And 99% of the time, the answer to people's question is, talk to your partner about it. Mm-hmm. Don't come mm. it and be like, bro, what should I do? You talk to her and be like, hey, this is how I feel about this. How do you feel about it? And then you would know. Our favorite road trip pastime is I drive and Justin reads, am I the assholes? out loud and then we talk about who's the asshole and most of the time it comes down to nobody's actually being an asshole just freaking talk to each other just talk to each other Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, this is what, when I listened to this for the first time, I think I might've rewound it and like went back and re-listened to this bridge because it really spoke to me and my life experience. So I, Taylor is not giving any, any signs that she is a direct communicator. And I, what is it? It's, um, yeah, I gave so many signs. And then that last line of, I never learned to read your mind, never learned to read my mind. If you have done any sort of therapy, you know, that mind reading is something that you work on immediately. If you're showing any signs of that, because that's sort of, you know, you're not directly communicating what you need and you're not asking other people what they're actually thinking and feeling. So it's these two people who are really admitting, you know, one partner, Taylor, who's saying, I'm giving you signs, but what, what does sign mean to her? You know, like what, it, what is a relationship sign where, you know, people would be like, I did this thing. And then you should take that as you need to do better. I'm trying to think of one. What's a classic sort of passive aggressive thing that you would do in a relationship? Say, you know, he's not doing the dishes, right? So you leave the dishes in the sink for, you know, two weeks and then you get fed up with it. And so you do all the dishes and then you're like, that was a sign for you to do better. You know, those two weeks when it was really gross in here, you know, it's those sorts of things that just really tear down a relationship. Yeah. But right. you think you think by doing the dishes, the other person will realize that like they're the one dropping the ball, but then really they're like, oh cool, they did the dishes and just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you could see how like the other partner would be like that was not a sign to me that was just a something that happened and I moved on with it there was no meaning behind that so you can kind of see how she's clearly still feeling neglected so maybe he wasn't doing the footwork that she felt he needed to do but then he also feels like she's just not giving me anything i it sounds like he would have wanted to try if he had known what to do, but who's to say, you know, as a person who has struggled with direct communication and I've worked very hard on it, I totally feel Taylor's part, but also as someone who's dealt with, you know, some partners who just no matter how much you communicate with them, right? Like you, there always seems to be crossed wires. Like you're just not getting through to them. There are just some relationships where you just, you're not going to meet in the middle, you know, for whatever reason. So yeah, I just really loved this bridge. Yeah. I uh, definitely can relate to it as well. I had a ex who would frequently set those little, those little traps for me, like the dishes, right? Leave them Mm -hmm. there, see how long it's going to take for me to do it. And then if I didn't do it quick enough, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not cool, man. Like, I would always just be like, what do you want from me? Like, just tell me you want me to do a thing if you want me to do a thing. But then she'd be like, well, I shouldn't have to tell you. You should know on your own. Right? You should know. And I was like, how? Because I I don't. I'm not a psychic. I don't read your mind. Right? So... I don't know. I'm still mad about it. If this was a psychology podcast, we could be here forever talking about yes. this. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, just to anyone out there, know that if you think 
that your partner should just know how to do something or how to do something the way you want them to do it. It's a flawed state of mind and you need to communicate better. <laughs> yeah, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and I don't know why you'd want to do that. Like, yeah, if you're with a person who cares about you, they want to do things that will make you happy. And all you have to do is tell them what will make you happy and then they can do it and you'll be happy and everything will be perfect. And I don't know why they can't just do it. <laughs> this is a weird thing. Okay. Someone in my life who I'm close to, in a non-romantic way, <laughs> still plays these games with me. Ooh. For example, they call me periodically, but sometimes they will stop calling me for a few days. I won't notice. And then they'll call me and they'll be like, well, I thought maybe you'd call me. Like, oh, has it been a few days since, <laughs> since I talked to you? That's it. That's it, Justin. That's that. That's very tailor coded to me in the context of this song. That's a great example, Justin. I know, right? I am full of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, bro, I wasn't thinking about not calling you so as to hurt your feelings. I wasn't thinking about it because it doesn't mean anything to me in the way it does to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Making a fatal flaw in relationships like this is assuming that the things that are a priority or mean the most to you mean the same amount and are also priority to the other person. Yep. Let's get to our overall thoughts, shall we? We've kind of already done it, but Mary, would you like to go first? Because you were the guest. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, obviously I really like this song. And then just a quick note about the outro. I really like the outro because it's very repetitious and it's such a great mirror of what their interaction would be like. It's just this cyclical thing of, you know, they keep saying the same thing over and over. So it's just, you know, you're repeating the same arguments, but yeah, I like this song. I think it's so relatable and it's so human. It's not, you know, I'm going to, Uh, I dug my key into the side of your car, right? This is, you know, two people who are still working through their emotions. This is a great, I know I've said this multiple times, but this will be the last time I say it. It's a great, messy relationship song that you could kind of stew on. It's like non-toxic gossip, right? Like you don't know anybody, these are fake people, but you can really get into it. And I don't know, I also just wanted to bring up One last little thing is um, this is a song that's all about signs, right? Like he didn't get the signs. And I thought it was really interesting that Taylor wrote this with Joe Alwyn. And then recently, You're Losing Me came out. And that song also features signs and signals. Like I sent you signals and bit my nails down to the quick. So and that song, isn't that about joe alwyn like her breakup with joe alwyn so i just think it's really interesting that both of these songs that are like intimately either written about or with joe are about this miscommunication of signals so yeah i just thought that was i don't that could also be a nothing burger but i just think it's a very interesting coincidence yeah it's almost like maybe if he had paid attention to the song they were together Right, right. So it would have turned out so bad for him. (laughs) Yeah. So were they sort of inadvertently writing a song about the issues in their relationship at that time? They just didn't know about it, you know? Like, but I think she knew. I was going to say, I think Taylor knew what was happening the whole time, and he was—it was going right over his head. Yeah, true. But yeah, so I just 
I think they're like a good complement to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm done. <laughs> so my general thoughts really don't, you know, go deep into like the lyrics or anything. It goes down to vibes. I get the song. It's just not my vibe. Because you never felt heartbreak before. So you can't relate. <laughs> So I don't seek the song out a whole lot. I think this, though, is a fun collab. And I enjoy that we get it again uh, with Evermore, the song. And I love and respect the artistic exploration that she allowed herself to go through during the pandemic and this album in general. And I do particularly like the idea that Justin pointed out last week. Two weeks. Two weeks ago? I think so. Two weeks. Last week was our new places. Time doesn't exist anymore. No. Pointed out in the last time that this could be the sister song to that one, a little more grown up expression of the same idea. Mm. You make some great points. It's true. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, for me, this is song is one of Taylor's career highlights. It's one of the best songs on folklore, which is, in my opinion, well, you can't do that, <laughs> which is objectively Taylor's best record. If it's objective, it's not my opinion. So, okay. suck it. I mean, I feel like that is the general consensus. Yeah, I think so. Majority, I feel like everybody agrees that Folklore is probably her best album. Erin mm. Desner's production work on it is masterful. I think Taylor and Justin's vocals are both great. And like Big Boy Rob said, they don't quite harmonize. They don't quite mesh, which is the whole point. There's a space there that they just can't bridge. You know, there's a gap. But it makes sense and it feels right in this instance where it did not with Gary. Mm. <laughs> like Mary said, the lyrics are very poignant and very relatable. If you've been through a long relationship that didn't go the distance, then you know what this song is about. You know, it feels real to you. It gets you where you live. Let's go to ratings. For those who may not know, we rate every song on a 1 to 10 scale. 1 is very bad, 10 is very good, and 5 is very mid- Mary, how do you rate? Okay, I was hoping I would have a gut reaction because before You're Losing Me came out, it would have been a 10 for me immediate, but it might be a nine. Without the context of You're Losing... Okay, in the context of just itself, I will give this just a 10. It's been one of my... I think it was one of my top songs on Spotify. I listen to this all the time. And yeah, I just find it very relatable. I also love Justin Vernon's Ooze on this song and that puts it over the top for me okay kimberly i, I think you should give it me okay yeah, your rating i also give it a 10 suck it rob <laughs> yes 112 is way too low i am going to preface my rating <laughs> by saying a little bit about me reputation is my favorite taylor album okay reputation mm-hmm. is very different from this album uh-huh uh-huh. I will admit that Folklore is a beautifully written album and one of Taylor's greatest, for sure. Yes, it is. I rate this song a six. <laughs> mm. So this is your last episode? Uh, right. And I guess it'll be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody call for my head. This song is a six for me. Hate me if you want to. Every song on Folklore ranks mid or higher for me, though. So mm. there are no bad songs on Folklore. This is not a bad song. So, <laughs> sure. You give this song a six. 
Yeah. With that caveat that every song on folklore yeah. is at least mid. There are songs on folklore that rank higher than this song for me. And lower, presumably, yes or no. Is six as low as it goes for you? No, I think I, I think I have five. Yeah. You have fives. Okay. I mean, six is on the good one. side of, of mid. Like six is the good side of mid. So I'll take it. Six is good side of mid. It's a little bit higher. Not typically a skip for me. But like I there said earlier, also don't seek it out quite as much. There are other songs on folklore that fit my vibe, my vibe a little bit better. Okay. Contentious. <laughs> I know this is gonna be a little bit a little bit spicy of an episode. <laughs> If you Cowboys, have- get in the comments. That's right. <laughs> Roast me. It's fine. I can take it. <laughs> if you would like to tell us how you rate this song, you can do it on Spotify. There will be a poll in the episode description of this episode. And there will be polls on our various social media platforms. We are on Twitter. We are on, well, it's not Twitter anymore. We are on X. We are on Instagram. We are on Threads. We are on TikTok. And we are on YouTube at C-B-L-U underscore podcast. Yep. If you don't follow us there, you should. Go ahead and do that. And then you can vote on all those places, and your vote will count for way more than anybody else. It's good for you. Your vote will either count with Mary's or against Mary's, because Mary always participates. (laughs) That's right. I follow the stories a lot. I will refresh (laughs) until I see the stories so I can vote. (laughs) You love to see it. And that's how y'all should be. Same energy. Dedicated. Yep. Yeah. Kimberly, what song are we talking about next week? Talking about Red. <gasps> Red. <sighs> That's a favorite. That is a favorite song of mine. I'm very excited about that. Mary might be back next week. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I was very in- analytical on this episode. There are some songs where I'll just be like, I like it. And Red is one of them. It's just a chef's kiss for me. I have no analytical notes, only head empty vibes. Mary, that's what I feel like I bring to the podcast. You're describing me. Yeah. I feel like Justin comes in every week and is like, let's dissect the lyrics and talk about this. And I'm just over here like, it's a good song. Yeah. So if you want, if I was on Justin's side this week. So if you want a head empty, no thoughts, just vibes supporter for the next week, let me know. <laughs> All right. We'll see about it. We'll see about it. Thank you, though, for being here this week, Mary. Absolutely. Good talking to you. Oh, yeah. This was a true delight. I love listening to the podcast. It's so nice to to hear two people who like talking to each other, right? So good job. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how this whole thing started. Is we were just like, why sit in our living room and talk to each other when we could put microphones in front of our face and do the same thing? <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Well, if y'all don't have anything, I guess that's it. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Pod Gremlin may be here. Thanks for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on all platforms at CBLU underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram, X, the zombie Twitter, TikTok, and threads. We're now posting our episodes on YouTube. Head over there and like and subscribe. All of these links can be found in our link tree in the episode description. Thanks for supporting the pod. Y'all come back now, you hear?